Good morning. Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. It's great to see everyone this morning. There is a lot of red, <laughs> a lot of red this morning. So uh, really, really good to see everyone, especially if you're our guest this morning. Uh, we're so glad that you've come to worship with us. Uh, we hope you feel welcomed and uh, as we join together to worship the Lord uh, every Sunday, it is our goal and mission to proclaim the gospel of Jesus and the good news of Jesus. So, uh, for salvation, but also as a reminder for those of us who do have salvation, have that gift, to continue on, to press on uh, towards the goal in Christ. So we're so glad that you've come to worship with us. If you would like to connect with us in any way, uh, if you're a guest, let us know that you're here. There's a tear-off tab. Uh, fill that out and drop that in the offering plate as it goes by, or if you need prayer requests, or if there's some way you're looking to serve, fill that out as well and let, let us know uh, how we can serve you and help you or how you can get plugged in. Uh, at this time, would you please stand for the reading of the word and remain standing upon the completion of the reading of the word as David leads us in worship. Reading from Romans chapter 3, verse 21 through 31. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. There's a song in the air this morning. It's Christmas. Let's sing that together.
would you join me as we go to our Savior in prayer? Holy Father, we thank you for this beautiful, special season of the year. Whenever we celebrate the events of events, when Christ Jesus, born of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit, came to this earth, for our redemption, that whosoever will may come through repentance and faith and receive the gift of eternal life with all of our sins forgiven. You tell us, our Father, in your word that you remove our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. You place them behind your back, never to be remembered against us anymore. Thank you for that great forgiveness. And when we transgress after we've come to know your Savior and Lord, you're quick to forgive us when we repent and confess. Thank you for your faithfulness and love and mercy and grace. May our Father, this be a special time of joy and celebration, but not to the expense of forgetting about the event of events. Bless, we pray in this service this morning, our pastor as he shares the word. And if there are those that have not come to redemption, in knowing you as Savior and Lord, that this would be the hour that they would come to know you as Savior and Lord. Thank you for loving us and all of your goodness. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Are they here? As your advisor, I feel compelled to communicate my hesitation about this meeting. Do we even know these scholars? We do not. So why meet with them? They are stargazers. They are Gentiles. The only thing more frustrating than having to explain myself is explaining myself to people whose job it is to do exactly what I tell them to do. As if I, King Herod, did not have a very precise, specific reason for meeting with these wandering stargazers. These scholars have valuable information. If we play our cards right, they can help us infinitely more than we could ever help ourselves. So, unless you need more explanation, send them in.
Greetings. Scholars, welcome, welcome. My staff tells me that you've come a long way. This is true. We've come from the east. Is that true? Well, I'm sure your travels have not been too difficult. They are like most journeys. Some good, some bad, but mostly long. You know, as a man who doesn't do much journeying anymore, I have to ask you, exactly what is it that would inspire sages such as yourselves to undertake such a long trip? As I'm sure you know, word has been spreading about the birth of a Messiah. We all witnessed his star, so we have come to worship him. I had heard the rumors, but with this one, the stakes are entirely too high now to be imprecise with our actions. Becoming king is an effort unto itself, but maintaining this station, that requires an entirely different set of skills. Is that so? A new Messiah? I must say I feel a little silly. This is the first time hearing of this. He is said to be in a place called Bethlehem. Do you know where we can find this place? So, we have our person, and now, now we have our place. The only thing left to do is to put to good use that ancient adage, either hunt or watch yourself become the hunted. Lucky for you, the town of Bethlehem is only 10 miles away from here. 10 miles? That's such a relief. After so many miles, 10 seems like it's just around the corner. Yes, around the corner indeed. Now, I know that you're anxious to go and find this new Messiah and offer him worship. But before you go, allow me to be a good host and to offer a drink. To the Messiah. Yes, to the new king. Now, before you go, I would like to ask a favor. Of course. When you find this new king, would you come back here and tell me exactly where he is? That way, I'll have the opportunity to go and worship him for myself. Consider it done, King Herod. Have a safe journey. I know he's only a baby boy, but all baby boys grow up to be men. We can't have that now, can we? Now we'll sing the birthday of a king. Let's stand together as we sing.
especially this time of year, Father, that the Holy Spirit might dwell in someone's heart that has never known it. We thank you for this church and this place, Father, that we might be all you'd have us to be and can. Pray just now, Father, as we receive this offering, that it might be used to the upbuilding of the kingdom. Father, that it might be given all of a heart of love and joy. For we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.
Every year in Thailand, thousands of lanterns are released as part of a Buddhist festival. If you've seen a certain Disney movie, you may be familiar with this sight. So what is the meaning of releasing a lantern? And where do all these lanterns go? The lanterns are made of rice paper and bamboo along with a wax ring like this. It is believed that by sending these lanterns into the sky, they are sending away their sins and bad luck into the air. Many see this festival though more as a photo op for their bucket list and Instagram account. Traditionally, the festival is meant as a time to obtain merit and give worship to Buddha. Thai Buddhists will say a prayer and make a wish before letting go of the lantern. It's easy to get swept away by the wonder and beauty of this festival. Can releasing a lantern really release sins? The thing about releasing sins is they always come back to you. The next day, the lanterns are scattered throughout the city. What goes up must come down. The trajectory of our man-made attempts to rid our lives of sin will end up like the fate of the lanterns. That is a video there from our International Mission Board. Today is actually day eight, our last day of our week of prayer for international missions. So hopefully this entire week you've been praying for our Lottie Moon Christmas offering and for the gospel to go out. So it's certainly encouraging about that. Last Sunday we had the little prayer guides um, in your bulletin as well. Is there around the church with that? Pull out your, um, uh, uh, your bulletin here on the back. You want to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to preach on the wise men. <clears throat> Did y'all love our skit this morning? Yeah, that is. We got to give them a pause. You say, who are those folks? That is the young adult Sunday school class, and I'm a part of that class. I'm their teacher. If you ever feel your age demographic feels, if you feel like you are a young adult, you can join our class, and you're also, if you're in our class, you're also on the, the church drama team. So that's what we do. By default, you have to be in a skit in a we hope to do one for uh, Easter as well. So I, I appreciate Wayne Cowan. He's our director, our, um, our director for our skits, as well as David Humlong played Herod. And that is exciting to see that what it was like when the wise men and women showed up to King Herod to see what happened on the, when they followed the star from the east to, to learn about and to hear about baby Jesus. So we're actually, I'm going to preach on that uh, today. We're going to see here... Um, in Matthew chapter 2, because the, the goal of this morning's sermon is for you to walk away. And I want you to answer a question. Why did these men travel hundreds of miles to Jerusalem, where King Herod was, who was a ruthless leader? Why would they travel from you know, current day Iran, Persia, Saudi Arabia? That's a journey through the desert. Hundreds of miles, probably took them months, maybe even a year, to make, the to make the trip. Why would they do this? Carrying gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That was their gifts they were bringing to this, to this baby that had been born. And what we hope to do this morning is you can see how Jesus, how he actually, by the time he was probably four years old or so, three years old, he had lived in three different places. And the entire time, God, behind the scenes, was 
orchestrating his circumstances and moving baby Jesus to different places. And the wise men played a key part into him being able to escape from Bethlehem to Egypt to really ultimately to save his life. And that's our goal is to say, why would God use these wise men? And it was actually the whole plan of the Lord to actually save Jesus' life. So that's our goal, what we're going to see here and, um, about the wise men. So uh, open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 2. I want to read this, and um, I'm going to stop a little ways and help explain some of the things here going on. All right, <clears throat> so baby Jesus here, he has been born in Bethlehem. Now remember, Mary and Joseph, they are from Nazareth. Nazareth is north of Bethlehem. Why did they travel? Why, why was, okay, Gabriel shows up to Mary and then the dream there. Uh, she's engaged, obviously, to be uh, married to Joseph and spoke, the, the angel spoke to both of them through, uh, through a dream there with Joseph and actually in person to Mary. And obviously, she's having a baby. And it's not any baby. It's a special baby. It's God is the Father. Mary's never had any relations before, so uh, she's a virgin. So what happens is, when she's probably eight and a half, nine months pregnant, they have to go to their hometown for a census. Why would you go there for a census? To pay taxes. Everyone needs to know who lives everywhere, so, you know, taxes is something you're guaranteed. You're going to, you know, the two things we're guaranteed in life is we're guaranteed to die and we're guaranteed also to pay taxes. So we're also guaranteed to face judgment in front of the Lord, but <clears throat> that certainly uh, is right there upon our death. But taxes, even 2,000 years ago, these folks were paying their taxes to the government, paying to, paying to the Roman Empire, paying to Herod. So they have to travel to Bethlehem. Why to Bethlehem? Because in Mary and Joseph's lineage, that is their hometown. Even though they lived, they're from the house of David, from the tribe of Judah. David, they're born in Bethlehem. So they had to go back to register to Bethlehem. That's what brought them there. So sure enough, they traveled down and, uh, south of Jerusalem, there in Bethlehem, about, about 10 miles south of Jerusalem is where Bethlehem was. And baby Jesus is born. He's born in a stable. They're born in the barn in a cave with the animals. So we know at his birth, the shepherds came because uh, the angels appeared. So uh, the shepherds came and worshipped uh, little Jesus there at the manger scene. Well, then at this point, a star has appeared. Well, these stargazers, they were in the east, hundreds of miles away. Well, they watch, their, they watch constellations in the sky and watch the stars, and they see this new star has appeared. And these magi travel. They start making a journey to Jerusalem. That's where the star, they think, you know, the Lord's leading them. We do not know how many there were. The reason why we suspect they're always in our Christmas carols, uh, we three kings, and we always see uh, three magi and wise men is because they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But there could have been 10 or 15. They probably had a caravan with them. There probably were some families that were traveling along too. So it wasn't just three men dressed up in um, carrying, you know, walking through the desert in robes. I mean, there was probably, they probably dressed up when they presented themselves to Herod, but I mean, it was, I want you to understand, this was like a one-year journey to get there. So at this point, all, and, uh, and probably if you have a nativity uh, little scene at home, 
you probably have the nativity scene with the three wise men right there. Well, by this point, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, they probably didn't live for two years at the nativity scene in the cave with the animals and the shepherds. They had probably moved into a small house there in Bethlehem. Say, so why Bethlehem? Because they, they had gone there for the census, and sure enough, Jesus was born. So probably Joseph and Mary had some distant relatives, and we all know when you have a baby, what do you want? You want sleep and you want help. So probably some folks, they had some babysitters that right there in Bethlehem. And so Joseph, a carpenter, he started working. And Mary's raising little Jesus. And then all of a sudden, that's where this story picks up. They're in a small house, and now these men from the east are going to arrive. So we're in Bethlehem when, when, they, uh, when they first show up. So pick up here in your Bible, Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, King Herod was a ruthless man. He, if he felt threatened with his kingdom, that meant you were going to die. Wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Well, right there, if you're, the king, if you're King Herod, and these men show up saying, Where is the one who's born king of the Jews? The sword's already been drawn. Because that's a threat. King Herod is the king. We're not going to have any other king of the Jews. He, in his mind, he's been appointed by the Romans to be king of the Jews. So therefore, if these wise men show up wanting to know, we're going to have to take care of business with that. So that's what our picture of what's happened here. For we saw his star at the rising, at its rising, and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. Don't miss that phrase. Jerusalem's a pretty big city. And when King Herod is upset because some strangers from the east have showed up wanting to know where the new king is, if King Herod's upset and he's mad, the whole city's disturbed too. Do you know why? Because they know, okay, this guy, he's a loose cannon. Um, if he feels threatened, that means all of our lives are now in danger. So the whole city is very concerned about what is King Herod going to do. Follow along here in your Bible. So he assembled, verse 4, he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. What's amazing about this is they all knew where the Messiah was to be born, based on the book of Micah. It told them exactly in Bethlehem. They're telling the king, and here are these wise men who've come to worship him, the king of the Jews. And we're in Jerusalem. You know, Bethlehem's about 10 miles south. We pull out our Old Testament books, and there he is, the Messiah. And look at their response. Now you would think, okay, if this king had been born, and you're upset about it, and all the scribes and chief priests, they know where the king's to be born at. Wouldn't someone from the palace, wouldn't someone from Herod's family travel only 10 miles and go check out this new king? But no. Verse 7, 
Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them, The exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Do you all know why that he wanted to know when the star appeared? Because in the back of his mind, once he heard a king was born in Bethlehem, he needed to know immediately how long has that star been there. Because every baby is about to die that's been born in that time period. You know, one of the things we're going to see in this, in this chapter is it was very sad for the young families that were born at this time in Bethlehem if they had a baby boy. Because Herod's about to wipe them all out. Most likely in Bethlehem, 2,000 years ago at this time, there was about 1,000 folks who lived there. So that meant there was probably 10 to 20 little baby boys. And King Herod, is he secretly summoned the wise men. And what's well, the big lie about this, in verse 8, he, King Herod looks at those men and says, Hey, you let me know, so I too, I need to go worship that baby boy. He had no desire to worship Jesus. This man was there to kill Jesus. The moment of Jesus' birth, even as a baby, from the time he was born to all the way to his crucifixion, he had folks who wanted to kill him. He was literally always had a sword right there after him. And right off the bat, King Herod is the first one. Verse 9, after hearing the king... They went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them. Look at this. The star moved. It was over Jerusalem. It moved now. The star that had led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. Can you imagine these men? They're following a star to over the house to where little Jesus is at. Do you see how even God is directing the stars? He's over all creation. He is completely sovereign and in charge of what's all going on. None of this is an accident. He's guiding these men by the stars in the sky. When they saw the star, verse 10, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold. Now, this would be gifts of a king. Would it, this is, Mary and Joseph were poor. They, de- they didn't have a lot. They were not a middle-class family. They were a lower-class family. Joseph was a carpenter. Mary's raising this little boy. They're just from the lineage of David. They're from a town that was mocked called Nazareth, from an area of Israel called Galilee. That would be like the poor area. Of Israel. It would be, they were from across the tracks, but now they're living in Bethlehem because of the census brought them there. So they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. So the wise men, God is speaking at, you know, they came, they knock on this little house. This is a poor couple that a star followed there. And they open the door, and here's this entourage of folks that um, have brought very nice gifts to this poor family of Mary and Joseph and little Jesus. 
gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gifts of a king. One of the neat things about why, why would this happen, we're about to see what's about to happen, because there was a nighttime escape that had to occur. You think, think about Mary through the lens of this. Mary and Joseph were engaged. They lived in Nazareth. Everyone knew they were engaged. Mary mysteriously became pregnant by God. Even though Joseph knew, because an angel appeared to him, probably the average person in Nazareth, when they found out, heard that Mary was pregnant, they didn't really believe the Lord was the um, father of the baby. They thought, okay, Mary and Joseph, they had premarital relations, so you know, that was the, and, you know, that, that's what happened. They did that before they got married, and Mary got pregnant. So probably when, after the baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and Mary also, she knew, she angel appeared to her, she knew she had never had relations, and all of a sudden these shepherds appear. Now at this point, that was all the miraculous events that occurred around Jesus' um, Jesus's birth. So all of a sudden, when the knock on the door came, and these men are standing here with these incredibly nice gifts, thousands of dollars in gifts to this poor family, it probably reconfirmed Mary because she was probably struggling because she also knew, you know, this is just strange. Her whole life at this point, getting pregnant, not having a relations, having your baby born in a barn, angels showing up saying, we're, we saw these um, shepherds show up saying the angels came and rejoiced. Strange things had happened to her, but at that point, after the manger scene, it was just life as normal for Mary and Joseph. They were back. Joseph going to work, Mary raising little Jesus. And then all of a sudden, this is the next big scene. A year or so later, we don't know, but the knock comes. And it's these folks bringing these gifts. Now, something's about to happen here. A change is going to occur. Verse 13, I want you to keep following along. Middle of the night. Mary and Joseph had to leave because Herod was waiting for these men to come back and report to what happened. Now, this is how God is orchestrating the movement of this little baby. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord, this, pro this could have been that night because probably the wise men maybe stayed a day or so, celebrated the baby, worshipped them, and then they left and went home a different route and did not go, uh, go to Jerusalem. After they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. Now, this is probably one in the morning. I, now, I want you all to, at one in the morning, men, you're there with your wife in bed. And I wake up, it's one o'clock, 1.30, and I wake Sherry up and say, Sherry, we've got to go. I've had a dream. We need to go to Ohio right now. <laughs> Load the kids up, go wake them all up, pack up the car like we've got to leave now. one thirty in the morning. We don't have time to wait. It's time to go to Ohio. We're going to hop on 75 and just go as far as way we can. 
and you, we're just going to drive, drive, and drive to where it's dark and gloomy across the river, way up there. Now, men, if you did that with your wife, what, what would she say? So, as they share, I had it was just a dream. God told me to go to Ohio. P- picture what's going on. I can say there's a 100% chance Sherry would not get in the car and we would go to Ohio. It, just would, it would not happen. We would not be going. We were going to stay right there in Lexington. We're not going to Ohio in the middle of the night. <clears throat> I mean, that's just, but I want you all to get the picture. God is speaking to Joseph, saying, Herod is going to come kill your child. Now remember, these men, are Mary and Joseph are poor. They have nothing. So they probably didn't have the resources to just pack up and go to Egypt. And not only that, of all places, Egypt, Egypt's where non-Jews, Gentiles live. Why would you go to Egypt, of all places? That's out of our, that's out of our land. I mean, that's a long journey for a young couple and a little baby riding on a donkey or a camel. I mean, that's just not something. But I want you all to know, the gifts that the wise men broke, brought do you know what funded that trip to Egypt because you're gonna have to have money you've got to go get your animal get load up everything and make a trip it's gonna be some expensive all of a sudden now Mary and Joseph look at this have gold frankincense and myrrh out of nowhere it's like they won the lottery from the wise the wise men lottery which funded the trip to Egypt God brought these men to help get away from Herod, to help give them their finances and resources to escape Herod's death, what he's about to do. Just kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas. Do y'all see how the Lord's providing? The Lord is taking care and moving this young family. A midnight escape to Egypt. It was completely God's plan to do this. Now, how all this applies to us and tying it into today circumstances listen broadway they're not by accident god if god is directing mary and joseph's path is he directing little baby jesus he directs your path if he can use the stars and use wise men he can use people you know he can use your family he can use co-workers he can use worship service we see god's Majestic plan is working the entire time here. Keep moving along in your Bible. I'm going to keep reading this story here. So look at verse 14. An angel spoke to Joseph. It's time to go. We're going to Egypt. Verse 14. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that was spoken through the um, Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled out of Egypt I called my son God is going to deliver baby Jesus Mary and Joseph from Egypt God delivered the Israelites through Moses through Egypt listen Egypt is that place that sometimes you have to live but you really don't want to be there you're in Egypt remember Egypt the folks there they're unclean they're not Jewish They speak a different language. They're different. They look different. They act different. They don't even like you. You don't even like them. You don't even want to be there. But you're in Egypt. Some of you this morning, you're in Egypt. You're in a place where God has brought you to Lexington. 
And you might not even want to be here. For whatever reason, you're here. You might be at the church, you don't want to be here. But God has brought you here. I promise you, Mary and Joseph, they didn't want to be in Egypt. But God brought them there. And it, they were in the center of God's will. That is the place that Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus had to go to save their life. They were perfectly where God wants them to be, is in Egypt. And we see how God is moving this young family and orchestrating all of these moves in every place that Mary and Joseph and Jesus moved their little family. God taught them something. This young family is following and obeying the Lord. If you are in Egypt today, if your Lexington is Egypt, God has you here for a purpose. He has you here for a plan. And instead of complaining about it, you say, Lord, teach me. I'm here to learn. I want to take advantage of my Egyptian experience. I want to take advantage of my time period in a land and a place that I don't even want to be in. That's their attitude. That's the attitude we need to have. Keep going here. Look what happens. This is how God brought them back to Israel. They're in, now we're at their second place. We were born in Bethlehem. Now we're stuck in Egypt, a place nobody wants to be. And look what God's going to do to move them. Then King Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men. <laughs> this is trouble right here. So what does he do? He flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and younger in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. That was from that star. That's why he asked that question. So when did this star first appear? So we know Jesus did not live in Bethlehem longer than two years. What happened is all the baby boys, two years and younger, this is a slaughter that happened. You know, put this in context. You know, Mary was a young mother. Joseph would go to work. Little, she's raising baby Jesus. She probably got to know other young mothers that had baby boys about the same age as little Jesus there in Bethlehem. They're dead. Herod killed them. So, that is the tragedy that occurred here in Bethlehem. Bethlehem, at this point, was a slaughter ground. Sadness, weeping all around. Herod is a ruthless killer. This was, was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah, and was fulfilled, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be consoled because they are no more. All these little Israelite boys were killed. After Herod died, look at this. This is how God's moving them again. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So Herod died. So we don't know how long they were in Egypt. They could have been there several months, a year. Joseph was down there. He's a carpenter, and they've got all this money from the wise men, from the gold, frankincense, and myrrh that they're probably living off of because they probably had limited resources there in Egypt, didn't know anybody. So now the angel has spoken to Joseph. In verse 21 it says, He got up, took the child and his mother, and entered the land of Israel. So they're, they're coming back north to Israel. So now they're thinking, okay, am I going back to Bethlehem? 
Am I going back to the place where they slaughtered and killed all the little baby boys? Am I going back to the place that this child was born? No. But when he heard that Archelaus, Archelaus is Herod the Great's son, he also killed everybody. He also was a brutal man. When they heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea, Judea is the area there, Jerusalem as well, the land of Judah there in Bethlehem as well. When he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he, Joseph was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. Galilee's originally, remember, this is the full circle Mary and Joseph have made. They're from Galilee. They are from Nazareth. He went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Jesus here. Have you ever wondered, maybe when you were younger, you moved a lot. Has someone ever asked you, where are you from? And you don't really know how to answer. Because your family, maybe you were in the military, or maybe you were a pastor, or you something like you just found yourself moving every two to three years. All the time you're going from place to place. Well, probably Jesus felt that way too. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, had to go to Egypt, spend some time, then he comes back up to Nazareth. And he's being raised, and he was raised there. He's probably three, four years old when he shows up in Nazareth. So by the time this little guy was three or four years old, he had lived in three places. That is the story of how Jesus, in every example, from the census, from the midnight dream and the wise men, that's what our skit was about, the gifts that were given, they had to escape to Egypt, that moved them down there, and then coming back another dream saying, hey, don't go to Judea, don't go back to Bethlehem, you go back to Galilee, to Nazareth. You go back to the place on the other side of the tracks. God moved this young family. And they were just being led along the entire time. You know, why the wise men? Look up here on the, uh, on the screen. Those are the three locations that God certainly used. Those were the circumstances. God used every single one of them. Why these wise men? Number one, God brought the nations to worship the new king. These wise men were not Jewish. These wise men here, they were not Israelites. They were from a faraway land. They were Gentiles. They were unclean people who traveled hundreds of miles to come worship this king. And the question for us, if these wise men are willing to go worship the king, if they're willing to spend a year or so of their life of traveling hundreds of miles to see the Messiah, what will you do? If the wise men can come worship the king, surely you can. God wants all nations to worship him. God wants your children, your grandchildren. He wants you. He wants foreigners. <coughs> he wants refugees. All peoples are coming to worship the king. The gospel goes out. I read Dear Abby. You know, I, I do, I read the newspaper. I want to read you, this is a couple of days ago. And I read this, and I thought, I have to share this one. Because this is, this is our country, and this is all peoples need to be saved. Dear Abby, 
I'm a 31-year-old waitress and a proud atheist. I have a regular customer who comes into the restaurant about twice a month. He's a pastor and one of the nicest guys I think I've ever met. Pastors are nice guys here. That's what I got from this. He'll often bring along people from his congregation and buy them dinner. Now, if you take me out, maybe you can buy the dinner. So anyway, but this nice guy, he's so nice, he pays for all the food. <clears throat> I have tremendous respect for him. The problem is, of course, there's a problem with dear Adam. The problem is, every time he comes in, he tries to get me to come to his church. Way to go. I'm proud of this pastor. This is my kind of guy. At first, I was polite about it, and I just said, no, thank you. Recently, it reached the point where I firmly said, I don't need your church. You know why this pastor is witnessing this uh, uh, waitress? Because she's an atheist, and she doesn't go to church. That's why he keeps going to this restaurant. I don't know what to do, dear Abby, anymore. I wouldn't feel, feel right kicking him out of the restaurant. I've never known of a waitress that can kick somebody in a restaurant, but anyway, whatever. And then sign, non-believer in Georgia. I moved here from Georgia, and I didn't meet this lady, but anyway, she's a non-believer in Georgia. And this is dear Abby's response. I bet there's a lot of you, a lot of folks who do this. You share the gospel of the folks you meet, maybe at a restaurant or come in contact with. Dear non-believer, this is from dear Abby. The pastor may be an evangelical who feels that it is his duty to spread the word. And they put the phrase, spread the word, in quotation marks. The middle ground, since he seems unable to accept your polite refusals, is to have another waitress serve him instead of you. And that was it. That was dear Abby's response. Now, I read that and I thought, that pastor completely understands. He's not, it's not that he's missing it. He knows why she's saying no, the waitress. Because she's a non-believer. And yes, he's an evangelical. An evangelical is someone that believes the Bible. And that feels the need to spread, as dear Abby says, spread the word. Do you know why we spread the word? Do you know why we feel the need to tell other people about Jesus? Because, church, this little baby, this child that was born into Bethlehem, that the wise men traveled hundreds of miles to come see, if they were willing to come worship the king, if they were willing to come see this little baby who's the Messiah, we should too. If God was orchestrating all of this as his master plan for this child to go from Bethlehem to Egypt, to Nazareth, with his ultimate plan is to die for our sins, for this waitress in Georgia, this atheist waitress in Georgia, to be saved. That is God's plan. That is why Jesus came to a manger to die for this waitress. That is why this pastor comes to the restaurant twice a month to tell this young lady, this 31-year-old young lady, about the Lord. Because he cares where she's going to spend eternity. Listen, if these wise men, who were lost Gentiles, if they were willing to come and obey the Lord and come worship the new king, so should you. This Christmas, wise men still seek him.
Are you going to be a wise man? Are you going to see that God wants your worship? God wants people to be saved. God is drawing people to Himself. Christmas is all about baby Jesus. It's all about the plan that God is doing. The wise men aren't just random people. They had a master plan the Lord is using the entire time. See it, it's, it's coming through the Scriptures. Why the wise men? Number two up here on the screen. The gifts would fund the nighttime escape to Egypt. These gifts were not an accident. They just weren't, oh wow, that was a great gift to Jesus. No, this, paid, this young family needed the resources to go to Egypt. They were broke. They had nothing. Now they had it. And God has come to them in my dream and says, all right, it's time to go. Get up. Joseph obeyed. This man had an obedient spirit. to the. He followed the Lord. God spoke to him, and he listened. You know, what do we see about these wise men on the back of your little bulletin here? These men traveled about 800 miles to worship Jesus. How far will you go? 800 miles. Some of us, we won't even go a mile or two. Some of us can't even get out of bed. Some of us can't even open our Bibles at home. These wise men had a desire, a passion to be in front of the Lord. Listen, church, if they're going to do it, if they want to worship the King, if they have that desire, ask God to give you that desire too. Number two, what do we see here? After God sends the Christ, He sends the church. Jesus Christ, we are the church, by the way. God sent the Christ. He sent baby Jesus. Now He is sending you and I. Are you a wise man? Are you willing to go and worship the King? Do you see God's plan in the Christmas story? If God orchestrated the past of these men, these wise men, in directing Mary and Joseph, in funding Mary and Joseph, surely He cares about you. Surely He's directing your paths. This morning, some of you might be here and you're saying, Daniel, I feel far from the Lord. I don't feel close to Him. He's not near me this Christmas. The Bible is speaking to you. and he's saying, The Scriptures are saying, God is saying, Open your eyes and see that there are no accidents. There are just no coincidental circumstances that occur. The Lord directs our paths. This morning, this Christmas, I want you to say, God, I want to make this a Christmas that it's all about you. Do you know I was saved in the month of December? And not in December, it was the second, it was this coming up week would be my salvation week. I was saved in the second week of December, I can't remember which day, in 1993. However many years ago that was, can't do my math, but <clears throat> that is, that's how long I've been a believer. God works in December. God is speaking to you today. You should look back and say, this is the best Christmas, Lord. I have seen how you've worked in my life. I have seen how you've used me. I've seen if you can use the wise men, if you can use Mary and Joseph, Lord, I want to be used by you. This Christmas, I want you to look. I want you to examine your heart and say, do I need to be saved? 
Do I need to make Broadway my church, my church home? Do I need to join a Sunday school class, like a young adult class, and start serving in my church? Lord, I'm here. Use me. Lord, I, this is my commitment, my promise to you. We're going to have our invitation. God's speaking to you this morning. He spoke to Mary and Joseph. He's directing this young family. He's leading, using a star to lead the wise men. How is He speaking to you? How is He directing your paths? Circumstances are not an accident. It is not an accident that you've heard this message. God brings the Christmas story alive to see His master plan, not just in the life of Jesus, but ultimately in the life of you. Jesus came so you can be saved. Lord, I pray for the folks this morning. Lord, I pray you open up our hearts. Help us see you through all the Christmas stuff, Lord. We're here for you and you alone. Lord, direct our paths just like you directed these paths of the wise men. Lord, you use them to, to fund and to worship the King and to move this young family to Egypt. Lord, some of us are in Egypt this morning, and we're complaining about it. Lord, let's quit complaining and start worshiping. Lord, it's no accident of where we're at. God, I pray this morning, if there's anyone here that needs to give their life to Christ, just like I did in December, in 1993, Lord, I pray they will get saved this morning. Lord, you call people to yourself. Christmas is all about you. Lord, I pray that this message, it will not fall on deaf ears. I pray, Lord, that we will follow you. Follow the star. Follow what you speak to us. Just like you spoke to Joseph in a dream. He was obedient. Mary and Joseph, listen to you, Lord. Lord, we pray we have that same receptive heart. God, this invitation we give to you and pray that you move us out of our pews. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every single service, we close with an invitation. This is your opportunity to respond. As always, I will be standing down front. We usually have some deacons as well for you to respond. So let's stand together. David Dale is going to lead us in a song. We're going to sing, I've Decided to Follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow. I'll carry till I see my cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, 
announcements and share some things going on. We have an action-packed week here at our church. Number one, we have a we do room at the end. We're having a meeting right after the service. Rob, where are we meeting at? Right here in the sanctuary, in the choir room. So, room at the end is a ministry of our church. We help uh, house as well as um, feed homeless folks here in our community. So that's going on. If you want to connect in that, you'll just go to the choir room. Number two, we have an event tonight. It's called Straight Out of Bethlehem. Sherry Osmond, the children's choir, has been working on it. That is at 6 o'clock. Do you know we have 45 children in our choir? All 45. If they all show up, they'll be up on the stage. And um, it's good. It's 6 o'clock. Now, if you have a child in the choir, they have to be here. You get start getting their costumes on at 5 o'clock. So that you want to come to that. Now, afterwards, we have a giant ice cream party for everybody. So uh, for not just the kids, everybody said we're going to eat ice cream in December. So um, uh, you eat ice cream anytime. So we're going to have that. Uh, that's tonight. So 6 o'clock straight out of Bethlehem. And then afterwards is our ice cream party for them. Also, this week, I want to show you, we're doing something new this Wednesday. Do you all know what this is? It's a gingerbread house. That's right. <clears throat> this is a family event, so you can bring your children or your grandchildren this Wednesday at 6.30. We've never done this before. something new. We are having a gingerbread house uh, contest. You are going to show up at 6.30 after, well, after dinner. You're going to the fellowship hall. Uh, Miss Sherry Lyons will be down there, and you're going to decorate. You're going to get a house. Miss Trish Lyons has made these for us. You're going to put icing all over it, gingerbread stuff, um, or graham crackers, Graham crackers for the walls, vanilla wafers for the door, and candy. So you're going to put have all, all sorts of candy. You just show up, and you're going to decorate this house. And then we have a contest. We're going to judge them. So now this isn't just children. Families are, you know, you bring your children and grandchildren, and then you'll see we have ribbons and awards for first, second, and third place. So that is 630. This one is something brand new we've never done before. So you come decorate your gingerbread house. We do this way. That way they don't fall apart. So you, uh, that way the house actually holds together because you're gluing it, you're pasting it to cardboard. Also, if you have a teenager this coming Wednesday, we have a Chick-fil-A youth group party. So that's at 6 o'clock on Wednesday, too. So this Wednesday's a big event here at church from gingerbread houses and around the Chick-fil-A youth group party. So everyone needs to come to church on this Wednesday. So those are some of our events. Hopefully we see everyone tonight. At our when it own. comes to following instructions, we follow Sherry because Daniel's probably on his. <laughs> Daniel's probably going to be on his way to Your Ohio. House will fall. <laughs> 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 so. All right, let's sing together. Oh, come, let us adore Him. And then you come back tonight. You don't want to miss tonight. I promise. Oh, come, let. 